0: We're going to look at the, the chapter 3 of Mark, verses 22 through 30. This is a, a discussion about the Holy Spirit. So I'll read. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. And he called out to them and said, and said to them in parables, the children of men and whatever blasphemies they utter but whoever utters blasph- uh, wh- whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin for they were saying he has an unclean spirit all right so this is uh, in the middle of uh, other discussions but uh, apparently some some scribes came down from from Jerusalem. And they were asked to pronounce uh, their their judgment on Jesus. And he believed, they believed that he was possessed by us by the Spirit, uh, by Beelzebub. And through the power of Satan, he was casting out demons. And we just discussed this in a previous episode of the utter, uh, you know, illogical aspect of that. And Jesus br- brings this out himself where he says that uh, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. So... In this, in this story, I think uh, the, the, the logic is fairly clear because Jesus was, was making, uh, making a claim for a divinity and he was, through his divine power, he was casting out these, these demons, right? But for those people that were present there, it was a very big thing for people from Jerusalem to come and say that they had pronounced him to be possessed of a spirit, right? And so Jesus went on then to make this very particular claim or to say something where he said that all sins will be forgiven except for the sin against the Holy Spirit. What is the sin against the Holy Spirit?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of laughing to myself because I know you have a bunch of stuff to say. (laughs) I don't want to steal your thunder. So uh, I'm kind of go ahead, go not ahead. Not sure what they even bring up here. Uh, and uh, let me say this: I'm, I want to. I know you, you, you wanted to talk about this quite a bit, so I'll, I'll let you like, you know, work work on the the main idea here. But I, I do want to say that um, for a lot of people, and and probably if you know, I might, I might not remember my childhood as well at this moment in time, but I'm pretty sure that at some point in my life I probably fit in that same category. But a lot of people read this. And they take it as a as a simple act of blasphemy. Like they, they'll say, uh, you know, maybe at some point in my life I might have said this or that. And maybe that's, I committed the unpardonable sin. How do I know I haven't done it already? And from this point on, I'm, I'm going out with life. And it's too late because I've already committed the unpardonable sin. And uh, what's the point of even trying to be a Christian if I'm going to be lost in the end just because I've, I've done this thing, you know, some years ago, or whatever I said, something where I've done something I should have done, and I think a lot of people take it that way, and it's a source of confusion. Um, and um, you know, I, I I think this this is definitely worth discussing and kind of digging into it, because people do struggle with this. You know, how do I know I haven't already committed that I'm part of the unpardonable sin?
0: Yeah, so I think that the question there's there's several questions that are packed in this, and we could we could take each one separately and then bind the elements together. So the first thing is, uh, there's, I'll just outline the the factors. So the first factor is sin. The second factor is forgiveness, right? The third is this uh, pardonable and unpardonable things, right? The fourth is the role of the Holy Spirit and the conscience. And finally is the element of free will, right? So we all have a conscience, and we have this, this, uh, this voice that tells us that uh, we're doing something that is wrong and we should stop, and, uh, or we've done something wrong and we should repent, right? But uh, what happens when you do something and you know it's wrong, but then you do it again and you just keep doing it again and again and again? So what happens, what we believe happens is that the Holy Spirit has less an effect on the conscience for that particular issue And after a while, the conscience is seared and the Holy Spirit can't uh, awaken the conscience anymore for that particular issue, or in general. And uh, the person is deemed to have made their choice and they just go on living their life. And in the judgment, it is determined that they have decided to go a different way. And that's it, right? From which there is no appeal. So that's kind of the way that we take this. But people sometimes get into this, this situation where they feel like they have gone too far and they can never come back. So that's I think the, the, the encapsulating issue there. And I think, but looking at the text here, looking at this particular passage and what Jesus is saying in this particular issue is that it's in the context of these people saying that Jesus was possessed by a demon and he was casting out demons through the power of Satan. And so they were essentially rejecting his divinity and his divine calling and, and his mission. And these were people who should have known better. They were scribes. They were educated people. They spent all their time in the Old Testament text. And they should have put the pieces all together more than anybody else that was in the audience. And they were doing this thing. So for them, I think Jesus was saying... All this evidence of divinity, all these these miracles and everything that I'm doing, is just further confirming for you. It's it's a, almost like a, it's like it's a, it's raising up barriers for you to the point where there's you know nothing more I can do for you, and I think that's the context that he was talking about.
1: Yeah, I think um, there's times in history when people have had an unusual degree of divine revelation. You know, maybe when Moses was on Earth with the parting of the Red Sea. the... The Ten Commandments, the voice of God, and different d- different points in biblical history where where there was um, more light, more opportunity to to connect with God than probably at a, any other time. And I think at that point in time, people had to work extra hard to reject the voice of God. You know, I mean, for somebody to sit there and listen to Jesus preach and and see how. He takes the scripture and opens it up and how it it touches their heart and how uh, like they see the love of God in a way they've never heard of before. And then sick people come and he heals them and, and, you know, uh, all kinds of, you know, people raised from the dead, all this stuff and they, they see it. So it's, it's like more than anybody else, probably throughout all human history, this group of people had an opportunity to see God in a special way that maybe more than anybody has ever been able to see, because we've, this is the one time in history where god himself was here with us and we could see him directly and yet for somebody experiencing this and finding excuses or finding ways to to convince themselves that this is not genuine that this is not real the the amount of effort it would take for, for them to to fight against this conviction probably hardened them up to a degree to where what else could god do i mean what, what more could he do to get their attention to to reach through to, to get through to them
0: yeah so, in this in this situation, I think uh, they were definitely rejecting the evidence before their eyes, yeah. and they were they had already come with their mission and they were going to accomplish it, which is denounce Jesus, and it didn't matter what he was going to do in front of them. They were just ascribing it to the devil itself, himself. So, for Jesus uh, to say this, um, he he made the statement about the Holy Spirit. Because he knew as as well as we do that even though they were saying it, they were rejecting that voice in their head that was saying, Hey, this is the way to go. Yeah. And they they were consciously making a decision against that. And I think I guess we could discuss the role of salvation here, but in my understanding, the the plan of salvation was provided by God the Father. Uh, There's three persons of the Godhead. Each one has taken on a role in the salvation process and in their interaction with created creation so that we can understand who they are. But these three individuals, one of them is the Father, the other one is the Son, and the other one is the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if they have other names for themselves or whatever it is, Um, however, these are three individuals and each one of them has a particular role. So the Father provided for a plan of salvation the son provided himself as a sacrifice for this uh, particular plan if it were needed to be put into action, and the Holy Spirit is the one who brings attention of the, the created beings to the son's sacrifice and the plan of salvation. So without, for example, without the father, you won't have a plan. Without the son, you won't have the sacrifice. And without the Holy Spirit, you won't have anyone bringing you to a realization of the problem. Yeah. So if you negate the the third person of the Godhead, there is nothing that the other two could do for you, because it's not their role, right? Yeah. And uh, that's the that is I think what he what he's highlighting here. So if you sin against the Holy Spirit, if you sin against that member of the Godhead, there is nothing that that uh, the other two can do for you. There is no there is no forgiveness of that sin, because the Son cannot. The sun's blood cannot be applied to your life, let's just say. And uh, <clears throat> because you would never be brought to the realization of it, or you never realize it yourself. But there's the element of free will. Each created being has the element, or has the ability to accept or reject the plan that is provided. And if they reject it, then none of those three entities can do anything for you. Because you've made your mind. You've made up your mind, yeah. and you're done. So... Uh, for that reason, I think uh, in this context they're discussing this uh, this unpardonable sin. Now, people think. Now, just coming back to the practical aspect, people believe that if they have committed a sin, and they were told not to, and then they commit it again, and again and again, they're they're sinning against the Holy Spirit to the point where they've gone too far, and now it's just too late.
1: Yeah.
0: However. I believe that, that God is willing to save to the uttermost. And if someone does turn to him, the Holy Spirit would be available to refresh the, the conscience to the point where you would be uh, in a better condition or a better mindset to accept the forgiveness from Christ. So I think that is, uh, that is there. Now let's just talk about a slightly more practical thing and this comes up in the context of suicide.
1: Yeah.
0: So people have been brought up to believe that suicide is the last sin that you commit from which you cannot ask for forgiveness because you're dead. Yeah. And so it's a wrong. It's based in theology, but it's a wrong theology to begin with. Uh, and we don't have all the time in the world to, in this particular episode, to discuss soteriology or, or how salvation actually works. But god does not determine um let let me say this way like when it comes to sin one sin it doesn't matter how small would have doomed humanity to death just one right because in our mind it's just something small but really sin in and of itself is a is a really big thing now for for god sin is not a big thing he can easily he can easily deal with it and he has a plan for dealing but for, for human beings, one sin could have do- doomed humanity, and it did. And one sin could put Jesus on the cross. One sin by Jesus could completely negate the plan of salvation. Okay? So in that case, sin is important. We're not denying the, 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 the terribleness of sin. But at the same time, what we are saying is that one sin does not doom somebody for eternity.
1: Yeah, yeah. God doesn't judge. For example, since you're talking about suicide, God doesn't judge the suicide victim based on the fact that they committed a sin and they didn't have time to repent for it. This is kind of the, one of the simplistic ways people think about salvation. You know, did you commit all the sins and did you repent of all the sins before you died?
0: Yeah, it's an accounting thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah exactly. Like, and, and this is kind of the Catholic way a lot of times of thinking about it. And it's not, you know, if, if you... If you consider yourself a Protestant and if you believe in righteousness by faith, that's not the, the Protestant model. Um, the way we understand salvation is that God looks at the trajectory of the life. So a person might be following him, but then, you know, come to some place in their life where they reach a moment of great discouragement and then they just can't take it anymore. They uh, they might uh, take that step and, and, you know, harm themselves. Um but that's not the, the thing that they're judged by. It's, it's where they were, what trajectory they took throughout their entire life.
0: Yeah. So I've heard people say this in the past. People, people, people take one text and then they try to build a whole thing out of it. Yeah. And then they try to, every time you say something, they, they go back to the one text and they hold on to it for dear life because that's the only thing they have. But really the Bible is full of uh, an entire revelation of Jesus and all the texts have to be taken into consideration for any any point and especially the texts that are relevant to to that particular point but let's just say for example the way people reason through this thing is they say that sin brings separation from god so the moment you sin you're separated from god and the only way that you can be reunited is by asking for forgiveness and the forgiveness applied to you and and then you're reunited with god so if you if you commit suicide you've severed your connection with god and now you're disconnected from God, and therefore God can do nothing for you, yeah. right? That's the kind of way that people people reason through this thing, and especially the uh, the un- unpardonable sin in the context of suicide. And this is where uh, it brings a lot of harm because it not only uh, harms the individuals who are vulnerable to suicide, but it also harms. Uh, it produces a stigma for depression and mental health and Other things that uh, affect yeah. human beings,
1: yeah, and he harms the family that's left behind. Yes, we have to deal with the thought that you know, my child's not, not only are they dead, but they're going to hell because they, they've committed some form of sin, you know. Yes,
0: yes, and so all these things are uh wrong in terms of uh, they're, they're built on wrong concepts in in salvation, um, in man's concepts of salvation, but they're also built. Uh, on a wrong uh, idea of who God is or what God is about. Yeah. And so in this, in this situation, what I would say is that, um, like you said, God looks at the entire trajectory of somebody's life and his, his sacrifice covers the entire trajectory of somebody's life and it's applied to the person once, not every day, but once in the judgment. And now that could happen at the end of time for the judgment of the living, but clearly those people don't die because they, they see Jesus come. But for the vast majority of humanity from Adam on down, everybody else, it will be applied at a, at a certain time in the judgment. And we believe that that started taking place after 1844. So what we're trying to say is that the, 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 the sin of the holy uh, against the Holy Spirit is unpardonable Because it takes out the Holy Spirit from the process of salvation, number one. And number two, it takes into consideration the free will of the individual who is choosing, despite multiple efforts, to to negate that power or to negate that that effort. But it does not mean that because you're struggling with sin uh, and you're committing something that you know to be wrong, that uh, the Holy Spirit is is, uh, less effective in saving you. Or doing his part to save you, and I believe that that God is unlimited and He has the ability to uh, to work with you, and He can He can refresh your conscience and He can make you into a different person if you ask Him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some sometimes people just have this experience where they remember when they were younger, or new in the faith, or at some point in their life where, where their conscience was very sensitive. And whenever they committed some sin, they immediately felt guilty and they went to God and asked for forgiveness. And then some time passes and they get into a habit of sin and they come to a point where uh, they don't feel guilty anymore. They don't have that same uh, sensation that, oh, no, I've hurt God. I want to ask forgiveness. And then they think that's uh, evidence that they have committed the unpardonable sin because the Holy Spirit is not getting through to them anymore. And, and that is not the point of, of this whole idea of the unpardonable sin. Because as long as a person wants to come to God, regardless of how they feel or whether they feel guilty or not or whatever their thoughts are, any of that, if a person wants God, God is is ready to take him back. It's the person that doesn't want to come back or is not interested that's committing the unpardonable sin. Yeah, Because the... Essentially, and this is what I always try to tell people when I talk to them like, you got to think of this from the point of view of, you know, say you're a parent and a physician, and you have your child who was in some kind of terrible accident, and they're on the operating table, and you're working and you're giving it your best because they're about to die. Like, the, they're, they're living their last few breaths, and, and you, everything you have is invested in trying to save their life. If they've died, there's nothing more you can do. But while they're alive, you're not going to give up and say, okay, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just going to move on to the next person, whatever. Because this is your child and you want to save him. And we got to think about, to take that perspective of God. Because we we have this brief moment in time. There's there's an eternity past and an eternity future. And then there's this tiny bit of space in time when we're here for 10, 20, 60, 100 years at the most. And this is it. This is God's chance to take one individual and try to save them. And each one of us, every human being is his child, and this is his one opportunity to save him. And if this person has been evil their whole life, and, you know, 10 minutes before death, they realize something's wrong and they don't want this anymore, this is is God's chance to still save them, you know? And, you know, if this person was walking with God for 30 years and then turned away and walked with Satan for another 30 years, and then he wants to come back, well, this is God's chance because... After their after their life is over, there's an eternity where there's nothing more he could do to save him. You know, so there's never a time in our lives, no matter what we've done, where we, we say, you know, I wish I could go back to God, but I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. Yeah, it's when we stop thinking about that that we're committing the unpardonable sin.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's I think a, a good uh, analogy that we could we could use um, for this particular issue. And I think that uh, if we look in, in scripture, there's plenty of examples of people like Manasseh and others who spent their life uh, in sin, but then realized at the end that they had made a mistake and God uh, made something out of what what was left. And we have an eternity to spend with God. And so whatever it is that we've wasted here, he can definitely renew it in, in the eternity to come. So that's, uh, I think, the message that we should take from this. And I think... Um, A greater understanding of God and what he's trying to accomplish and who he is uh, will lead people to a better understanding of forgiveness and also uh, the important role of the Holy Spirit in the process of salvation and what it takes for him to uh, bring somebody to repentance.